This is Megan. This is Alyssa. We are Garbage Girls. Where we shoot the shit. We talk trash. Hello, lovelies. Hi. What's going on? Not much. Just hanging out. What about you? Frustrated with our fucking recording situation, but that's what happens when you buy cheap shit, I guess. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, what you been listening to, reading on? Honestly, nothing. I'm still reading Mexican Gothic and just for good. Yeah, I got nothing. Same. I really, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're a cheery pair this, this week. Uh, no, I've just been going to bed super early. Like right after the kids go to bed, I'm like, mm, bath time and sleepy time. I have been reading about the IRA. Well, there you go. For a project that you and I are working on. So that's been kind of my like late night reading until I fall asleep. There been listening to some podcasts about it. It's very interesting. Catholics is crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah Lots yeah. of terrorism. <laughs> wow. Lots of terrorism. I think that's uh, unique to the Catholics. <laughs> no, but I do think it's interesting that one religion talks shit about another for being terrorists, but then they do terrorist stuff, too. It's just yeah. Well, people are shit inherently, so you know. Just the things done in the name of religion is just—it's just appalling. <laughs> it's just so stupid. It's just so stupid. Like you're—you're you're honestly just mad that people are Protestant. I know it goes much deeper than that, but I mean, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's more ridiculous than I thought it was. It's just a bunch of men getting pissy and blowing shit up and car bombs and guns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. How's that work with the whole God thing? Don't really, you know, don't really understand that. A lot of things going on in the world, but I think people will use any excuse they can just to be shit people. Religion included. Mm-hmm. Especially. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Um, do you have a nope or a Reddit? I don't have a Reddit. I was trying to think of things that make me say nope, and they were just really philosophical, you know? I can dig it. I was just like... But hard to expand on, really, in in, the, in a small amount of time. Um, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna say like uh, judgmental old people make me say nope. <laughs> it's like they're 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 rude, but their rudeness is okay. But if they consider what you're doing rude because they don't agree with it, that's not okay, and they will fucking balls to the wall tell you what a piece of shit you are. But it's like, wow, you're just, uh, mind your business. Deborah. I saw this. This reminds me of a TikTok I saw last night. And it's a guy and he's, he's doing a bit and he's like, uh, it says something like, 
basically indicating that the character, quote unquote, he's playing is a boomer of the boomer generation. Mm. And he's at a drive through and he's lecturing the young person working at the drive through. Don't disrespect me. I'm your elder, yada, yada. And then he starts yelling at the kid about a Big Mac and, and the kids at the window. And he's like, sir, this is Wendy's. Don't disrespect me. I'm your elder. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Yeah, it just, the sense of entitlement. And then, you know, it's always, and I'm not trying to generalize all older people, but I mean, honestly, if I hadn't experienced that several times throughout my life, I probably wouldn't think anything of it. But it's yeah. just like, calm the fuck down. Nobody owes you anything, but you want to call our generation entitled. Like, I'm sorry that you could buy a house with $30,000 a year. Well, and here's the thing is it's just the same shit over and over. Mm -hmm. Every generation says the generation after them is a piece of shit. That's the whole deal. Like, and I think people just need to look at it for what it is. Like you get old and then things are changing mm. and you don't like that. Yeah. No matter what it is. Because our parents' generation were looked down upon by the quote unquote greatest generation mm. for the same exact fucking reasons. They're lazy. They're entitled. They're crusty hippies. They're blah, blah. They're smoking the dope. Oh, blah, blah, blah. God. And now that generation is like, Look at these entitled fucking Starbucks coffee drinking assholes. It's like, whoa, guy, your parents thought the same thing about you. So how about let's just like slow our roll. That's why I really try to catch myself from talking shit about the generations younger than we are, because I try to keep in mind that they're living in a world that is so insanely different than the one that we grew up in mm -hmm. i we will never know what it's like to live online like we were we didn't experience that until we were in our late teens yeah where we had developed most of our brain i cannot imagine spending junior high Ew, on gross. social media when you're like the most insecure and the most confused and puberty and blah, blah, blah. Just the worst and so yeah do i think that they look stupid on tiktok of course i do but i also recognize that that's because i'm getting old that's a me problem but i feel like a lot of the boomer generation is doesn't like they're not recognizing that and i'm starting to see some gen x shit too mm. it's like all right kurt cobain Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chill out. You're not the best generation because all of us are terrible. Oh, yeah. And I am very quick to point out, so I'm just going to let this be known now, because of all the fucking people that talk shit about millennials and Gen Zers being lazy in the workplace, I have had less problems as a manager of people <clears throat> with generations millennials and gen z than i have with gen x or boomers so I, in my experience those two the younger two generations work harder and they're less of a problem in the workplace so i don't know where this idea of laziness or no in fact it's it's hard to keep them engaged because they move so much more quickly 
than other people do. And I have to work for them a little bit more, i.e. keep them engaged and promote and challenge or else they'll leave, which they should because experts say in order to maximize your earning potential, you should be leaving your job at least every five years. Man, that sounds like a drag. Pain in the ass. So my nope is just being a judgmental asshole. But I think I can agree with with one thing, and I think we can all agree with this. Teenagers suck, and I enjoy when they die horribly in horror movies. I Yeah. And teenagers suck in every single generation. Oh, yeah. I didn't it's like being the worst. I didn't like teenagers when I was a teenager. Same. I didn't like myself. As a teenager. <laughs> and maybe that's why teenagers are so terrible is because you're just around a bunch of other assholes. Mm-hmm. Like, how could you be happy? <laughs> how could you be bringing good things into the world? I do feel you're really terrible. Sad. Yeah, I do feel really sad for people, though, who like, that's their glory years. Like, really? That was the happiest point in your life was being a teenager. My God, how horrible must your life be now? <laughs> Like, even through all the things that I have gone through as an adult, as hard as life can get, still would not want to be a teenager again. No, but I'd certainly had far more fun. I had a really, really fun late teens. Like, 17 to 19 was really, really fun. Mm. I, I was too horribly depressed and all that crap to, I think, realize what good i had yeah but if i could go back knowing what i know now i would have enjoyed it much more Mm. i had a blast and then i moved to north texas (laughs) well i'm glad you did because here we are and here we are blessing the world with our beautiful fucking voices on the podcast Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to all 12.3 people that are listening thank you we are global though because i looked at our global presence and we are in all kinds of places so that's interesting that is i'm like how do you like sweden what i mean hey that's cool like fly us out there right yeah new zealand india very yeah i would imagine that some of these places are um very American feminist viewpoints would not go over very well. (laughs) Which makes me even more excited for them to hear it and get angry. Hmm. You're welcome. We'll give you plenty of content. We do make people angry, though, sometimes. That's okay. I make myself angry, so I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But also, go fuck yourself. I don't care. Yeah. I think think, uh, the great thing about being an adult, I think the most enjoyable thing about being an adult and not being a teenager is I don't care what kind of rebel you are when you're a teenager, you care what people think about you. That's true. And I feel like each second that I'm on this earth, Mm. I care less and less. That's true. And so I don't honest to God care if people don't like me. But what, okay, people, but what about aliens? Do you care if they like you? Because we have just found aliens exist. Big surprise. I feel like nobody is real excited about it because we were like, duh. Mm-hmm. We did, okay, thank you, American government. We didn't really need you to tell us what we already know. 
thank you for, I guess, finally acknowledging that shit exists. Mm-hmm. But like, you already, you already agreed that UFOs exist. So who did you think was flying them? But also, why do you think we trusted you in the first place? I actually think a lot of people do trust the government, and that is wild to me. Like, what? okay, who who among you actually trusts your government? Yeah, leave a comment in somewhere. We will we will like email us, dismantle all of your <laughs> opinions on how you think the government is a good thing, or that the people in the government are good, I, or not I, lying to you, or like what? That is insane to me to think that people actually trust any government like anybody in power should not be trusted i don't trust any authority figure no because humans are weak and we will absolutely control other people i'm telling you right now if i was ever in a position of power like that i would absolutely oh i'd be a fucking i'd be a monster Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i yeah I'd be like stepping on people's faces. Yeah, like, I'd be like, "All right, where's my human rug <laughs> <laughs> and my human toilet paper? Where's my human bidet?" Yeah, exactly. Ooh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! Quick, fill your mouth with water and spray hard. Say, Thank you for clarifying. Cause I'm like, what does that entail? That sounds like water sports, and I don't know if I'm okay with that. Hey, if my booty get clean, my booty get clean. I don't care how it happens. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> We're terrible people and we acknowledge it, but, um. Reddit on Reddit. Relationship advice. Reddit on Reddit. Name I need to write this down because I forget it every time I get what? I get just like scared. Uh, creepy encounters. There we go. Reddit on Reddit. Malicious compliance. Ooh. There we go. <laughs> we're going to cut that to make it sound like we knew exactly what we were doing. Yeah. Um, so this one's gonna piss you off. Most things do. Hit me with it, baby. So this is a, um, a Reddit on hot takes. <laughs> hot take. oh, <clears throat> That look on your face already says it all. Let me start by saying. No. I do understand my husband's behavior is inappropriate. Oh, uh, I'm already pissed. Go but on. like all of us, he's not perfect. And I took vows to him to stand by him and accept him as a whole person, including his flaws. Overall, he's a good husband and I love him despite this one issue. So my husband has a kink for urinating on himself in public. I think it's the oh. humiliation aspect that gets him off. So sometimes, <laughs> not where I thought this was going. Please. You got a tinkle kink? <laughs> um, so sometimes, not every time, we get together with my family, he will pee his pants. But overall, it's not really that disruptive. He just stands up and says something like, oh no, I've peed myself. <laughs> then goes to the bathroom and changes. I always bring a change of pants and underwear for him in case this happens. And when he gets back, we just move on and don't talk about it. <laughs> this is the greatest story ever. Of course, we don't want people to know my husband is doing this for a kink. So we've told my family he has a medical condition that causes him to not have full control of his bladder. Mm-hmm. I told them the reason he doesn't wear adult diapers is that he's ashamed of needing diapers at his age. So he's basically in denial that he needs them and refuses to wear them. Well, now... <laughs> 
Well, now my sister is getting married, and she says she doesn't want my husband to come because he she doesn't want him disrupting the wedding by peeing his pants. Fair. Oh, I, wouldn't that be like the biggest kink? I'm sorry. Continue. It would. Like right during like the vows, he's like, "I've peed my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I've soiled my dockers." Oh no! Um, I told her it was unfair to exclude him over a medical condition that he can't help. <laughs> Which is true as far as she knows. But she said it's his own choice to refuse to wear adult diapers, so it's his fault. I told her it's her wedding, and she can invite who she wants. But if my husband isn't invited, I'm not coming. He loves my family, and I know it really hurts him to be excluded from the wedding just because of a kink he can't help having. He's been crying and saying he feels disgusting for having this Mm -hmm. kink. But that he can't control himself, and now my family doesn't even want him around. I know it would really hurt him if I just left him home and went to the wedding by myself. He told me it's my choice to go if I want, and that he won't be mad, but I know he'd be really sad if I went. I love my sister and my family, but my husband is my life partner, so he's always my number one priority above anyone else, and I believe I should stand by him and support him rather than choosing my family over him. So I told my sister I won't make it to the wedding, and now she's extremely angry with me, saying I'm a bad sister because I won't be there to support her. She's marrying a woman, so she also said Um, it makes it look like I'm homophobic if I don't show up to support their union. True. I I told her I'd love to come if my husband is invited, but she said she can't stand the thought of him disrupting the ceremony or reception by peeing his pants and announcing it. I told her how much it hurts my husband that he's excluded, but she doesn't care. I said, fine, but that means I can't come, but she won't let it go and keep starting fights saying I'm a bad sister. I do feel bad that it hurts her that I won't be there. Um, let's unpack this real quick. I have so many, um, so many thoughts. First of all, everybody's got a weird kink. Even if you don't admit it to yourself, like, come on, you vanilla bastards. You know you got a weird kink. Like, you, you know, those, those ladies who are like, I only like missionary position. You want to get banged by a werewolf. We all know this. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um... However, learn when it's appropriate. Like, don't go wrong, obviously. Kitten likes things, you know? Kitten has kinks. Not at a wedding. And, lady, and I'm just imagining, like, I don't know why I am just imagining this Pentecostal woman who is just, like, all about Jesus, has long hair and does not wear makeup, and is just really loyal to me. Oh, my God. Oh, see, I'm picturing a stand by your man kind of lady. Interesting. I like that we have uh, these different yeah. ideas in our head, but I'm just, you know, just, he's a really good man, sensitive, a really good listener. And see, I already knew it was going to be fucked up when she started explaining it like that, because mm-hmm. we all know that woman who's like, well, he's a really good, like, mm-hmm. like if you already have to tell me what a good person he is out loud, like, oh, he's her, got some, something Her going language on. is, is... Uh, Similar to that of of women who are emotionally abused. Here's the thing. We know that you and I get irrationally angry at things sometimes. Mm, Yes. This is one of those where I literally hate him. I hate him. I hate him because here's the thing. You are a you are a man child yep. because this is sexual. Yeah, you're disgusting that you cannot control a sexual urge yep. in front of your family. I don't care what the urge is. If you the, the fact that he says he quote unquote can't control it, yeah, bullshit. 
Mm-hmm. You're a child that w- you're, you are a teenage boy that wants to get his rocks off and doesn't care who it impacts. You're disgusting and you should be ashamed and disgusted with yourself. Oh, 100%. And if I were her family, I would call shenanigans on this being a medical condition because if you had a medical condition that caused you to pee your pants, you wouldn't stand up at the table and say, oh, I've peed my pants. Mm. It's the announcing of it that's the worst part. Yep. So you're fucking awful. You need to go to therapy. Mm. Guy. Well, and, you know, I didn't think about that, but it's like, because I get the allure of humiliation and degradation, right, in, in the bedroom. Um, that said, I don't know if I would be into it if it involved my family or my partner's family. The fact that you are getting your rocks off, urinating in front of your in-laws like that is creep. Call me prude. But I I have issue with any kink that involves people non-consensually. Yes. The fact that his kink is these people unknowingly participating in it, to me, is a form of assault. Yep. It's the same thing to me as it, somehow I, I'm – Definitely on weird algorithms on social media, but somehow. I saw <laughs> somehow dot dot dot. But there's, you know, people who bring their slaves in public in full pleather and ball gag on a chain and walk them in public. Mm. I find that very fucking awful because yeah. you're involving everybody else. Well, it's it's like you know people who. Expose themselves like flashers and stuff. It's, you know what? This, that gives me the same feeling as this PP thing. Like mm-hmm. you are getting your rocks off at the expense of other people who've not agreed to be a part of it. Like it's disgusting. Yeah. And, and I'm a weird bitch. Like mm-hmm. I like weird shit. Not, li- not shit though. Yeah. Let me, yeah. I mean, let me be clear. If you're into piss play, good for you. But again, don't involve other people. Yeah. You don't get to go tinkle on people in public. <laughs> like, so Please I think don't. at the end of the day, that's, that's why it bothers me is it's non-consensual and your husband needs help. And I also don't subscribe to this whole, and maybe this makes me a bad wife, but I don't think when you marry somebody that that means that that person no matter what is now the supreme being in your life yeah i think that if your partner is out of line you side with logic yes i think you should if i think of a scenario where stonehenge is being i'll use you as an example is being outwardly cruel to you in what world would I be like, that's fine. He's my husband. I have to side with him. If he just out of the blue was like, you fucking bitch, excuse me. Yeah. So I also think that she's human garbage for just letting. Enabling her it, family to be exposed to his weird shit. Yeah. This is abusive. It's gross. And you're, you're being required to lie to your family 
Well, and it's kind of, she's lying to herself, dude. She's got some weird fucking complex going on where she's like, really, he's not a bad guy. And the fact that this fucking baby, the fact that he's sitting there crying, I'm sorry. When I read that he was crying (laughs) and disgusted with himself, can you imagine, can you even for a moment imagine walking in on your husband crying like an infant? Being like, I'm disgusting. I'm blowing face. I'd be like, oh my God, I didn't know I married a baby. And here's the thing, like, just to clarify, we're not saying don't show emotion as men because that's also a weakness where you don't show any emotion. You're like, I'm a tiffy. But this guy is specifically crying because he can't go to a wedding because he can't control his pee-pee urges. Don't pee your pants. Or wear diapers and just have the satisfaction of knowing that you're still pissing yourself in public. His kink is people knowing. I mean, just, 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 uh, just bust a sag and let everybody see that diaper and feel that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's probably even more humiliating for you to pee yourself and everybody know and you not even acknowledge it. But even still, that's still disruptive to her wedding. Her her sister is completely right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know that just, like, outwardly saying, you're a bad sister, blah, blah, people are going to think you're a homophobe. Like, I think that's a little manipulative. Yeah. But, like, if my sister wouldn't come to my wedding because her husband had a fucking weird thing, I'd be like, hey, I'm really hurt by this. Your fucking priorities are jacked. Mm. You're not acting like a good sister. Your husband sucks. Get a divorce. <laughs> like, oh like, have you thought about putting him in a home? He needs to. He needs to go bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and if anybody's listening, if you ever involve people in your kink and they don't know it, shame on you. Yeah, gross. That's weird. Don't do it. Be whatever. Do whatever you want as long as it's consensual and obviously within the realm of reason. Don't involve people that that can't consent, you fucking weirdos. But yes, we stand by that here at Garbage Girls Incorporated. Mm. Yep. How about you tell me some alien shit? Because I've been waiting all week. Oh shit! (laughs) And I've been like not googling all the things. About to get juicy. Get juicy, baby. So we left uh, Terry and Toby. Oh, Terry and Toby. They were at the hospital, right? And we, we, we come in and he's got he's got two special investigators with him, right? Yeah. And uh so he's in his last day at the stay of his stay at the hospital and he's getting ready to go home the next day. And a nurse comes in and is like, All right, dude, I'm gonna get you fucked up for your last day. Just relax, rest while you're here. We're gonna we're gonna give you some good medication. And he was there because it was like severe hydration dehydration. Dehydration, severe burns, radiation basically burns. Um That's right. Yeah. Um all the had, bumpies and all stuff. The bumps and everything like that. Yeah, it was it was brutal. It was brutal. So um, these special investigator, uh, investigators uh, come in, and they're like, hey, nursey, get the fuck out. We want him pretty sober because we, we got to question him. And so he said that um, there were two agents, and he only remembers one, one of their name, the older one. His name was Agent Gregory. I.E. Tommy Lee Jones. There you go. So they come in and, you know, they're using intimidation tactics. They're like, son, this is some really serious shit we got going on here. <laughs> you like my, my scary I, voice? Yeah. I was, I'm a little, I'm a little unnerved. 
So like, we need you to tell us about all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep that up. So I'm like, we need, to, we need you to tell us. I'm really disappointed. I was really hoping you keep going. We need you to tell us about all this spooky shit that went down when you went down to the woods with your boy there. <laughs> Please continue. We need you to draw us a detailed map. Are you listening to me, son? Are you with me? <laughs> and he's like, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. I'm here. <laughs> so they they show him a map of of the whole thing, and he's like, "Where exactly did you go in, you boys? Where did y'all go in with your car? That ain't on the map. I'm gonna need you to detail it for me." <laughs> That's my new favorite voice that you do, by the way. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am, kindly appreciate your support. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, my face hurts. So now I'm gonna not be able to not do it. Um, so Agent Gregory over here pulls out this map and is like, "You're gonna draw down on here where y'all entered, where this thing was, and just about how big it was." So he draw it to scale. Yes, <laughs> my finger here's a centimeter, and he, he he does make him try to draw it to scale, and Terry's like. Dude, I'm not a map maker. Like, I, what? <laughs> I'm not a mapmatician. <laughs> oh, Damn. Oh, my God. I love that one. And he's like, just do it, son. So he, he does the best of his abilities. They they He pushes this paperwork over to him. He's like, you're going to sign this. And he's like, what is this? He's like, don't even worry about it. You need to sign it. Basically, giving up all of his rights. Guys, don't do it. And he's like. I mean, you could just not sign this and get a lawyer. How's that going to work out for you, huh? Or, excuse me. <clears throat> How's that going to work out for you, son? You going to call the law, man? You going to call Jim Adler? The, the Texas hammer? <laughs> but uh, everybody, the answer to that is yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will get a lawyer. Yes. Well, this was, you know, the, the, the late 70s, so. <laughs> so people were dumb back then. It was dumb. No, they just had more trust in the government than mm. we do now. Yeah, no Apparently thanks. not. They have not seen men in black. Y'all is dumb. Shit. So he signs this paperwork, and the younger agent immediately gets up and leaves, and he comes back a while later, and basically they had... He had signed paperwork, not only giving up his rights, but saying, you can take anything from my home that you want to, any personal property, whatever you want to do. You can look in every nook and cranny, and it doesn't matter if it relates to this investigation or not, basically. Yeah, he he, he signed that. People don't, don't do shit like I mean, they're going to get it anyway. It's just going to be a little bit more difficult, and they might have to off you, all right? so Yeah, make it difficult at make least. Make it difficult at least, yeah. That's, that's our like life motto. Mm-hmm. Make it difficult. God. Lucas, we need stickers. Yep. So, yeah, they, they they return. They take his car. His wife's like, what the fuck is going on? Why are you busting in my house? I mean, but they lived on base, so I guess you kind of know that could happen at any point. I suppose. <sighs> See, I would have been there and be like, get the fuck out of my house. I'm going to throw my shit at y'all. <laughs> I pick up some chonklas and start. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they take his camera his wife's camera, and then they go down to the dark room. They take uh, all the exposures that he has, all the film, whether it's been opened or not. And, I mean, he's got, like, receipts for all of this because, again, 1977, and people fucking wrote that shit down. Like, they, like, like receipts. Balance their checkbook. <laughs> Gross. Man. <laughs> Look at me. I've got a fucking 8-track. Man, cassette tapes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Look at me. I keep people records of things. I know where my birth certificate is. Lame. I trust the government. Now that's just taking it too far. Um, So so they take all this stuff and they're questioning. They're like, tell us about that night. You know, he he gives them a pretty condensed version. Like we went up there. We saw some weird shit. We fell asleep. We came back home. Like it's kind of a blur, but like, and they're like, cool. Um, And there's, you know. Agent Gregory's over here like, is that, you sure that's all there is, son? You sure that's it? You telling me? I'm going to need you to think real hard. I, I actually believe that was a statement made by Agent Gregory. Like, I'm going to need you to think real long and hard about this, son. Make sure you're not leaving anything out because if you do, something bad's going to happen, all right? We're going to know about it and we're going to find you and we're going to kill your wife. <laughs> I mean, might as well. Uh, so... They go through all this. Agent Gregory's like busting his balls and, you know, basically extracts as much information out of him as he can, of him as he can. And then at the end, he's like, all right, we're going to go now. But they, they get to end this, you know, and it's, 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 he gives him what he can, right? Like he doesn't really remember a whole lot. It's just, you know, kind of bits and pieces. I mean, he is delirious and, you know, had slept in his mind through most of, of the trip. Yeah. So Agent Gregory's like, all right. We're going to get now, but I want you to really just think about this. We all know some shit. No, you are not allowed to talk to Toby anymore. You cannot talk to him. You are not allowed to contact him. You are not even allowed to say hi to him. You are about to be reassigned, and Toby's getting shipped off to another base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toby got got. Toby did not get got, but he was, he was, he was fucked up more than terry was toby yeah it's toby toby's toby's story is sad um so (laughs) they leave the nurse comes in gives him his shot right so right before he was leaving the next morning actually leaving the hospital the next morning right before he was starting to get discharged uh the doctor came in and sat on his bed and of course this is only military base so they're all you know ranking Mm -hmm. blah blah um so he told terry again he's like you're getting reassigned not allowed to re-enlist. Like once you're done, you're you're just counting down your days now. You're not allowed to re-enlist. Didn't really give him much of an explanation other than you know you're getting punished for this experience. By the way, yeah. Then he told him to keep his nose clean and his mouth shut, and he said that Toby said you two were out there drinking and that the burns you two suffered were from exposure to the sun and from naturally occurring radiation from the limestone bluff. Because that uh, happens. He, he, the red spots were chigger bites from lying in the grass and not using enough DEET. And he said, you guys were pretty sick when you came back. Tobias had it worse than you did. We gave you some pretty strong medication. It can cause funny dreams and affect your memory. Even months from now, you may have a funny dream that might just pop up. It's just a side effect of the medication. You're a fucking liar. <laughs> You're a liar MD. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you don't discuss them with anyone, they'll go away fast. Don't mess around with the OSI people either. You hear me, Sergeant? And then he was asked if he understood and that the world didn't need to hear about his experience. Cool. Tell me I had something weird happen. Uh, So Terry was then discharged with, as he says, a bucket of pills. He was to take three with every meal. So nine a day. Nine. So you remember he is an EMT and um, so he has the physician's desk reference which had colored fo- uh, color photographs of every 
uh, capsule approved by the FDA. And he said the pills weren't in the book, which means that, meant that they were made specifically by a pharmacist. They were put together by a pharmacist. So as he's leaving the hospital, one of the nurses there, Deb, um, he's like, hey, Deb, what are these pills? And she's like, I don't know, man. They came from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and not the hospital's pharmacy. And he said she kind of wanted to say more, but she ranked higher than him, and she really couldn't. She chose not to is actually what he said, that she chose not to. In Deb's defense, Deb might have had a family that she had to worry about, you know? Yes. I mean, she probably told him too much already by saying it didn't come from the pharmacy. Yeah. So once he was home, his memory started to kind of, like, fade. He would have gaps, and then there were just times where he would just, like misplace his watch and was he taking those fucking pills yeah he was taking those fucking pills damn terry fucking terry terry is terrible at being smart yeah luckily his wife sheila was like hey man you know it's not a <laughs> Bless you. i'm allergic to bullshit mm. it's you. not a coincidence in my mind that your memory starts going haywire right after you start taking these pills thank, thank you, you sheila thank you sheila Damn. So he's like, but the thing was, was they had a nurse, and this is really fucking stupid on the military's part, but they had a nurse come every night to count the pills. So he just started flushing the pills so that the count matched up. Like, what? That's, that's, like, maybe you put somebody there to watch him take the pills. I, I don't know. Also, hey, you want him to think that maybe nothing weird's going on? So you send somebody to verify he's well, taking he said, the pills? What he said was like, uh, she didn't even ask me how I was doing. She just showed up to count the pills and leave. Like, that's not what? Thanks so, for putting those pills in the water supply, chief. Right. So, uh, exactly. Thanks, Terry. That's why we're all fat. Mm-hmm. It's Terry's fault. And Terry. So, within a week, his memory started to improve, and then within a month, it was fully recovered. Um, and about a month after his release, uh, he and his wife had gone to the grocery store and were driving back. And because he and Toby only lived a few blocks from each other, they drove by his house and it was unintentional, you know, and there was a moving truck outside and Terry was like, pull over Sheila. And she's like, no, we're going to get in trouble. They said, stay away. No. And And they're watching you. So she pulls over. He goes inside, like just walks in because he'd done that. Like that's, that's what their relationship was like. They were so close that he could just walk in. Well, he runs into Tammy, who's Toby's wife. And she's like, motherfucker, you're not supposed to be here. You better leave now. I mean, she is fucking level 100 pissed. And he's like, and then so Toby hears this commotion and comes around the corner and he's like, bloodshot eyes, haggard as fuck, smells like booze, like skinny as shit, like just not doing great. And he's, so he asks him, and so Terry's like, good luck, man. I hope everything works out for you. I'm going to miss you. And he, he said they shook hands, but he felt like normally they would have embraced. And when he found out that Toby originally, that Toby was, was being shipped off to another base, you know, he, he said he felt very glad. He said something changed in that car ride home. And it was like a bad memory was going to go away. And he did not understand why he felt that way. And 
you know, it's something that he regrets to this day. He's like, I, I never understood it. And he was like, I never really understood either, you know, the original bond that we had. We were very close friends very early on. And, you know, Toby is a black man. Terry is a white man. And so even then, like in the late 70s, he was like, it wasn't that unusual, but it was still pretty unusual, you know, to mm-hmm. be that close to somebody of a different skin color. And he's like, just because of how we were raised. Yeah. And he was like, it, you know, even though they neither of them were raised in like a racist household where they were told to shun anybody you know it was still just part of the time you know it was a very recent thing you know segregation just very recently ended and yeah. stuff like that so um he said it you know it just struck him as unusual more so than it would now so anyway terry wishes toby good luck and toby whispered whispered he goes do you remember did it really happen terry all of it Tammy, at this point, walks past them again, interrupts their conversation, and Terry's like, ah, he looks away. He breaks eye contact, and he said he never regained that eye contact and look at him. And he was just like, yeah, it really happened, Tobe, all of it. And they hurt us. I don't know why, but it's real, my brother. You're not going mad. And so, you know, this guy was um, an assistant attorney general and all this kind of stuff. And he said when he was in law school, Toby was dying on the streets of Flint, Michigan while he was in law school. Like he, and he was like, I wonder if I had tried harder to reach out. He, he didn't know this till of course afterwards until yeah. after Toby had passed away. And he's like, but I, you know, he's like, I've got survivor survivor's guilt. And he was like, if I had reached out, if I had tried to disobey, you know, even after I'd been unenlisted from the army and you know, or, uh, air force, you know, would things have turned out differently for Toby? Um, so he he suffered for the rest of his life and 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 passed away not too many years later just a homeless wreck shell of himself. And you know what's interesting is so I was trying to find pictures to post on our Instagram without like googling information because I didn't want to give anything away. I could not find anything on Toby. Yeah. And it's it's not super easy to find anything on Terry either. Um but couldn't even get a last name on Toby. Yeah. So I don't think his name was Toby. I think it was something else. It was Tobias something or another. Yeah, and I don't I don't remember if he said you know his real name was Toby or if that was a fake name that he had given him. Um so anyway, Sheila, uh Terry's wife, encouraged him to start journaling everything, and he did. He wrote down everything, he drew pictures of his memories. And he he wrote down everything he could remember up to that point and in every interaction he had. Oh, so anyway, um, as he's leaving the house, Toby's house, uh, a military police car was parked behind him and they tailed him all the way home, him and his wife, Sheila. And immediately on entering the house, he's getting a call from good old Agent Gregory who wants to know if he wants to go to jail. And that he better watch his ace. Damn it, so, Gregory. So yeah, so he's journaling everything and he's he's having horrible nightmares, you know, his shit's fucked up and um he's been transferred into a support role. So he takes the support role and basically he's being treated like a leper by all of his his people that he's with. I mean, the uh reporting officer, the person that he reports to, you know, is like, "All right, dude, what we're going to do?" You're going to go into this warehouse. Here's the keys to the warehouse. You're pretty much the only person with access to this warehouse. There are four by eights in there. You're going to go spray paint them white. And he was like, okay. 
And he's like, you get there in the morning, you can clock out from 12 to 1, lock up when you leave. You can come back, continue, and then um, clock out at 4.30 and go home. He's like, okay. So he starts doing that, you know, and he's like, the spray paint is like old and like shitty. So it takes him weeks to get through this pile of of four by eights. And he's like, what the fuck is happening? He's like, I'm a trained EMT and, and, you know, all this kind of shit. And like, I'm spray painting plywood. Mm -hmm. Cool. So eventually he gets done with doing that. And he goes to report, he, and the, the the officer was like, you don't even need to come see me until it's done. I don't want to see him. Cool. So he doesn't. And so one day, you know, he said it took about three and a half, four weeks for him to finish this. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to his CO and he's like, all right, I'm done. The guy comes and he's like, good job. There are a couple of spots here and there, you know, that you miss, but, but good job. And he's like, uh, cool. So what's my next assignment? Like, can I have something a little more, a little more, you know, to my Brain skill set. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, uh-huh. There's some sandpaper. Go strip down all that shit that you just did. <laughs> Which, honestly, that, that kind of shit, that's that's kind of punishment shit in the military. Like, you're going to just do mindless bullshit tasks that have no purpose because fuck you. Like, dig holes and then fill them back in. You know, it looks like As if that. he did something wrong. Well, he knows too much. And we'll see how much he knows. It gets, it gets, this this is just tip. Just the tip. Just the tip. <laughs> so um, two months later, he's still stripping that wood because it's like sheets of sandpaper. He doesn't even get like a sanding tool. It is like sheets of fucking sandpaper. And he's like, you know, if eventually I just got to the point where I liked it. It was mindless. I was alone. People weren't fucking. He's like, in the military, that's hard to come by. Mm-hmm. So um, one day... While he's stripping all this wood, um, he was asked to go see the CO who informed him that there was a car outside waiting to take him to this uh, special investigation headquarters. So he gets there. This car takes him there. And he's he's walked, you know, through the building and down this corridor that's just lined with steel doors. He's put into room D, which was a room, he said, that was roughly 14 by 14 feet and painted beige. Uh, that there was like a military desk from the 50s that was steel and had a matching heavy padded chair with th- three fiberglass chairs in the corner. Uh, the steel door had a five by seven inch square window that was reinforced with crossed wires. And there was an electric clock above the on the wall above the door. And then he said there was also a three foot square two way mirror in there and um which, you know, he, he said he wondered if he went and shielded his eyes from the light, what he might be able to see. But he didn't because, obviously, brainwash. Um, so he looks at the clock. It's 9.15. And it's not until about um, a few minutes before noon that two special inv- investigators come in. And who the fuck do you think it is? Good old Agent Gregory. Fucking Gregory and his little fucking henchman. Right. So Agent Gregory let him know that if he cooperated today, they might close his file. And he's like, 
I'm going to tell you whatever. And they'd been hounding him because they still thought he had been holding back film from his trip. And he's like, motherfucker, I didn't take my camera. I forgot my camera. I have shit pictures of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But they had noticed when they searched his home that he had a lot of pictures of the full or pictures of the moon and black and white photos of nature. And it was because there was this, you know, when the, and the, like 75 years prior, like in early 1900s, there was um, Ansel Adams did a lot of um, black and white photography of wildlife. And it takes very clear pictures, which is why, again, you see, you know, whatever. But he he never really understood his own obsession with taking pictures of the moon. Again, he kind of has a repeat of what had happened in the hospital a few months ago. They gave him a piece of paper and they were like, read this silently. And then we're going to turn on the tape recorder and you're going to dictate this. And you're also going to say this is of your own free will. You're not lying. You're not holding anything back. And nobody coerced you into doing this. And he's like, what the fuck ever? I just want to get this shit over with and be done. He does that. They, you know, they turn on the thing, the, the tape recorder, and he says what he's supposed to say, basically saying, I waive all my rights and you can fuck me in the ass with a hot iron rod if you want to, because I don't give a shit. So turn it off. And then Major Brownfield comes in. Oh, Major Brownfield. So Major Brownfield comes in and he's got this little leather case with him. And that kind of looks like a shaving kit. Don't like where this is going. Yeah. And uh, sits down. Kicks old old Gregory, Agent Gregory, out of the the comfy chair because he he pulls rank uh-huh. and uh, sits down and starts just just being real friendly. You uh-uh. know? And he's like, "Hey, man, just for today, we're not going to go by Major Brownfield and you know whatever." He's like, "Uh, just um, just call me Brad." And he's like, "Yes, sir." And he's like, "Not now, man. No, what? What was that? What was that? We're just having a friendly chat, homie. Like." What was that again? He's like, yes, Brad. I'm like, oh, that's that's great, Sergeant. Well, can, can I call you Terry since we're, you know, really informal? Terry's like, I, yes, Brad. <laughs> like, okay. And um, so he said that the man carried himself more like a therapist or a priest than a ranking officer. Mm-hmm. And um, so he's like, we're going to hypnotize you. Terry's like, you know what? I've taken a couple of years of psychology. Try it. And he, of course, he didn't say that out loud. He's like, okay. And so Brad is like, he's like, man, how you been? How you doing? How you feeling? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling okay? I want you to trust me, dude. I want us to be besties. And Terry's like, what the fuck is going on, Brad? And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, don't worry about it. So he opens his case and he's like, I'm going to just inject you with this yellow liquid. And Terry's like, whoa, whoa. He's like, are you taking back your consent? You want to get lawyers involved? You want to get other people involved? Like, is that what we really want to do? And he's like, no. Fine. (sighs) Damn it, Terry. So, long story short, our buddy Brad here sticks him with the hypodermic and, like, gets him all fucked up. And he was, now, he said that he he was fighting it and he said he knew a lot about or knew enough about hypnosis to know that you could fight it. So, you know, he said that Brad was trying to count him down. So what he would, he was saying is like, we're going to count from 10 to one. And as you go down the stairs, you're going to get more and more relaxed until we hit one. And he's like, all right. So every time 
Brad would tell him to go down a stair and count a number down, he would, in his brain, go up one stair and go up a number. Hmm. So when Brad went down to, to one, Terry was up at ten. And so he gets there and... Brad is talking to the other two agents that are in the room and he's saying like, you know, they're joking. They're having a good time. And they're like, are you sure he's out, man? Like, are you sure he, you sure he's good? And he's like, dude, he was out at like three. We're good. So he comes over thinking that Terry's all like hypnotized and shit. And he's like, all right, I want you to pull the light. He's like, there's, there's a chain hanging from the ceiling. I want you to pull the chain and that's going to illuminate things. And then we'll start to remember. And he's like, okay. So he gets, he's like, pull the chain, Terry. Terry was like, I, it was a conscious effort on my part. He's like, I hesitated at first and he had to repeat it to me. And then I pulled the chain. So Terry knows he's still in control at this point. So Brad's taking him back through and he's like, all right, tell me about that night, man. And he goes back through it, giving the condensed version. And Brad's like, man, you're doing a great job. You're doing so good. You're doing so great. And then he's like, all right, so you're on this spaceship, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this part starts getting wild because it starts bringing up stuff that Terry had long forgotten, even before this experience. So Terry's like, I was fighting it. I was trying to play Beatles song in my head, Beatles songs in my head, you know, Yellow Submarine. And I was trying to like do multiplication tables and all this other kind of stuff and like remember different things in my training. He's like, but admittedly, like there were times that there were gaps in my memory or there were lulls where I thought I was asleep, but obviously had been continuing to talk and all that. Mm -hmm. So he's like, all right, well, describe, you know, the inside of this, 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 this craft that you were on and he was like dude it's huge like everything you know there's 60 or so people around he's like well tell me about the people and he's like most of them are like me and terry you know they're holding their clothes totally naked um just waiting waiting to be the next person in line and he's like but there's also some other people that are obviously uh crew flight crew and he's like, okay, well, tell me about these people. What do they? What do they look like? And he's like, well, they're they're wearing uh, tan flight suits with orange insignia, uh, ranking insignia on their on their lapels. And Agent Gregor's like, shit, which is never explained, but apparently he knows about some things. And um, he's like, all right, well, when when you wake up from this, you're not going to remember that. Don't worry about it. Let's move on. Like, well, what what next? And he's like, well, there's you know these little grays running around. It's the grays. And he's like, but they're they're kind of like drones. They're kind of mindless. They're like drone bees. He's like, they might have even been robots. They're just so mindless. And he's like, but they take you and they, they strap you down to the stainless steel table. And then they put this machine on your dick <laughs> and extract your sperm and your blood. Cool. So, you know, he said that there were also uh, aquariums lining the walls and he said at first he thought they were dogs and he was like then you look closer and um they're just these huge uh reptilian lizard like things floating in pink water with huge eyes and then you get closer to them and you realize oh shit they're kind of humanoid so you know alien human hybrids hanging out in fish tanks with pink water Nope. Yeah. And he said there was one main alien in in the actual room with him, and it was very large, much larger than the rest of them, and that it, it, it used its its digits, its fingers, for lack of a better term, 
to like dig and to experiment and do all this stuff. And he's like, it was different from the grays and it was, it was very monstrous. So it's not really what, and I couldn't get a solid, like really solid description of this, but it, he also describes when he was younger. So, you know, they had taken him through this. And one of the things that he says, and I know this is kind of disjointed, I'm jumping all over the place, but one of the things he says is that it felt like he and Terry or Toby were there by predestination. Like it was an appointment they couldn't miss because mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're just like wild hair up their ass. They had to get to the highest point. Yeah. And so they get there and, um, He's like, well, well, why do you think that? Why, why do you think that? And he's like, well, oh, it was the monkey men from when I was a kid. And he's like, who the fuck are the monkey men? And he's like, well, they're not really monkeys. They just look like monkeys to lure children out. And he's like, they take you to a place very similar to where I, where I was. And, you know, they experiment on you. And there are other kids there. They have toys for you to play with, whatever. And so I think that this is one of those monkey men, like, but he's like, I can see him now. The masks are off and he's freaking out. Like he says, he's like screaming at this point. And, um, so Brad, buddy Brad here calms him down and is like, all right, all right, all right. We're cool. We're cool. Let's talk more about, he's like, we got all we needed to know about, you know, the, the most current thing that you were in. Let's talk about your other experiences. And, um, he says he remembers being taken now at this point remembers now being taken several times as a child and being taken to the dark side of the moon, basically. And he said, there's a ship that is like an entire city and it's just huge. There's like cities upon cities. And he said, so the ship is floating above the moon. He said, they can't even like fly in front of the moon, the side that faces the earth, because if they do that, like you could see with a naked eye, a black dot traveling across the moon. It was so huge. Mm-hmm. And so they have him up there and he's telepathically speaking with, again, another hybrid. And she's like, look, man, you're not going to remember any of this, you know? And he's like, she was hideous. It was scary, you know, but and he's like, there was even like a point where she bends over and it's like a little slit in her dress that he thinks, okay, I'm going to look and look at her boobies. Cause obviously you're a kid. And even though yeah. you're in a, scale, a scary alien spaceship, you're going to be like titties. And he's I'm like, a 36 year old straight woman. And I'm going to look at the titties. I mean, who doesn't? So and he said it was just grotesque. He's like, she didn't really have boobies. It was just weird alien shit. That's basically the best description he could give. She had alien titties. She had alien titties. So, um, so anyway, he, he's talking about this city and this alien chick that he knows apparently. And, um, he said that from the bottom of the ship, it's basically like glass and you could see under the surface of the moon where there was a very large city filled with aliens and humans. What? Yeah. And so Brad was like, "Mm, you are going to forget that when you wake up. That doesn't exist. There is no base on the moon that has human alien hybrids. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So so anyway, so all this goes down and he's like increasingly freaked out because he still has a little bit of, of, of consciousness. You know, he still has a little bit of his own brain power left. And, and, you know, Good old Brad is like, you're not going to remember any of this. I'm going to take these memories from you. And he's like, I'm going to help you out, my dude. I'm going to take these from you. You're not going to remember any of this shit ever wrong, again. Wrong. Wrong. Um, so he does. But anyway, so they bring him out. They repeat the 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 hypnosis. 
but backwards, obviously. The steps into his no- hypnosis, they, they do it backward. And again, they're like, first thing you need to do before we go back up the stairs is you need to pull the light chain again. And Terry tests himself and he's like, mm, am I really hypno- hypnotized or can I like, is this, am I controlling myself? And again, he asks to repeat the question and he's like, all right, Eek! pulls the chain, turns the light on, goes up. Now he, from then on, he's pretty much left alone. He goes, does his thing, goes to law school, travels around the U.S., doing his attorney shit. And then, in you know, for, for 40 years, he was a big runner, you know, and he was like, I was at a good 150. And then he's like, I stopped running and went up to 240 just, just immediately. Like I, he was, or he was at a one, he was at 190. He went up 50 pounds at 240. He's like, I stayed there. And then he's like, in like 2012, I just started losing a bunch of weight. And he's like, even now, of course, he's passed away. Um, he's like, I got down to 150. And he's like, I can't, I can't gain weight anymore, you know. So he goes to the hospital. You know, of course, you know, he had that knee pain where he collapsed. So he goes, they take the x-rays and they're like, hey, man, you got a lot of shit in your knee. And he's like, what? are you in the war, son? Yeah. Well, upon further investigation of the shit in his his knees, um, they're like, there's no way, like, this could be lodged in there without some evidence of it having gone through skin and muscle to get there. But there's literally no evidence of any kind of entry for something as large as this. And he's like, um, what does that mean? And they're like, I don't know. So, so shit starts coming back. He starts getting headaches. He starts losing a bunch of weight, you know, and he's just like, what the fuck is going on? And he starts remembering. So they had Sheila once again, my girl, thank you. She had stored all these journals and stuff. So Sheila was like, she's had them stored off like for a long time, like out outside of their home Mm -hmm. in a storage box, like climate controlled shit. Like she knew what was up, Mm -hmm. my girl. She'd been knowing the whole time. She'd been knowing the whole time. Sheila. Sheila, my girl. So she brings that stuff back and they just kind of collaborate. Because she had kept journal entries for 10 years as well from 77 to 87. And that was in the storage too. So they just kind of were like, oh, here's the big picture again Mm -hmm. that we had totally forgotten about. And so they're working on getting all this kind of collated. And um, one night. He goes, does his evening routine. He's shutting off lights, making sure everything's locked up. Windows are shut, you know, all that shit. And he gets into bed a little bit before midnight and wakes up in his chair in the living room. And then the the alarm hadn't been tripped. And sitting right across from him was a little woman with a really bad wig (laughs) and big old sunglasses. And he's like, you know what that made me think of? Have you ever seen E.T.? Yes. And you know when E.T. dresses up like a woman? Yes. <laughs> See, I, who's, the, who's the little woman from The Incredibles? Oh, I forget her name, but yes. I know who you're talking about. That's the woman I, that, that I immediately thought of because he was like, she was tiny. She was dressed in all black except for this giant headscarf that like hid her tiny little thin neck uh-huh. and these giant sunglasses. But she had this like black wig on that was like slightly askew. And so he was like looking at her and he's like, what the fuck is wrong with her hair? And she's like, you don't like my hair? And he's like, but her lips weren't moving. She was in his dome. And he's like, man, 
He's like, no, no, it's it's nice. It's just, you know, I'm just, um, what? And she's like, no, it's all right. She's like, you and I have met before. And he's like, mm, no. I remember you, you weird little lady. So she takes off her sunglasses and he's like, oh. Because apparently in 1987, his wife had woken up and seen this woman just hanging out, standing at the edge of their bed. Yeah. So, um, and so that comes back to him. And she's like, I just want to let you know. That you're thinking about writing this book. And he's like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And she's like, you don't want to do that. And he's like, uh, but people do stuff like this all the time. Like, that's how we share our experiences and how we, you know, get the word out. And she's like, oh, yeah. He's just like, I just want you to know there won't be any more experience experiments on you. And he said she was very benevolent. He felt very calm and happy and, um you know, in her presence, didn't feel threatened. And she was like, we're not going to be carrying out any more experiments on you ever again. Um, but your government will do whatever they have to, to get that shit out of your leg. And he's like, but why don't she's like, because it's evidence of the contract between our species and your government. And he's like, what? And he, she's like, dude, this has been going on for like three generations. There's a moon base, alien-human hybrids, and your government's totally a part of it. And she's like, honestly, we just wanted to like bolster our race and like see if we couldn't connect. He's like, but your government are the ones that are not the good guys. And he's like, but um, y'all experimented on us. And she was like, yeah, 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 but you don't remember it. He's like, but I do. He's like, yeah, sometimes that happens, but there was no ill will. We weren't trying to hurt you. We just. Wanted to get your semen. Yeah. He was like, all right. So um, she's like, if you do this, they're they're going to kill you. Your government, not the aliens. Your government will kill you. And, she, and he's like, yeah, I believe that. Yeah. So um, she was like, oh, and by the way, you have it in both legs. And he's like, what do these devices do? And she's like, they're just, they're just necessary. And he's like, no, 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 no. What do they do? And she's like, I mean, they do a lot of things. So she, he didn't really get a straight answer out of why these devices were in his legs or what they did. So he's like, mm, screw all y'all. I'm going to continue to write the book. So he writes the book. And in 2016, he wakes up and his legs are fucked. Like he's got, it looks like he'd gotten smallpox vaccines on his legs. And so he's like, I got to, I got to get something done. I got to go get x-rayed. Goes get x-rayed on both legs, and uh, the the little devices are just, they're just gone. But a very skilled x-ray technician finds a wire left behind in each leg. And then he gets that confirmed by another x-ray-like thing. I mean, so there was still evidence that something had been in his leg and it was at a 45 degree angle. And he's like, no, no bone, nothing in your body naturally occurs at a 45 degree angle. And, um, yeah, so he wrote his book, but in reading this book, I have found that in the case of his death, Sheila has something else to put out. That's even more intense that I have not read. I wonder if that's the second book that I asked you about. That is likely about. the second book that you asked me about because I had not read it. Um, but at the end, he's like, if I have, if I die suddenly or if some weird accident or something happens to me, the second book will be released. 
So we might be having a third episode sometime in the future. Okay, so here's what I don't understand. If I if I thought I had chips in my body, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I knew that my government was coming for those chips, mm-hmm. I'm going to get a ball gag and a fifth of vodka, and I'm going to get that motherfucker out of my leg myself. Yep. The fact that he could just, like, walk around knowing that he has this, like, valuable thing, things in his body, and that it was only a matter of time, like, I would go, I would go through the pain of digging it out myself. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it was, like, right up in there in his knee and shit. But here's the thing. Like, you could have found some, like, underground doctor to pull them shits out. Like, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like. Everybody's got, like, a veterinarian friend. <laughs> all right. But here's the thing is, like, even if it's not to the government per se, you recognize people in authority and it just is a snap thing. Like, it's. Well, it trying, has to be. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of Terry is like, but would they really do this? And he, I mean, honestly, with the experimentation and the weird shit that our government has done, he actually kind of got got it light. I was going to say, the fact that he lived to old age mm-hmm. with this stuff yeah, and was able to not only live to old age, but also, like, not die in the streets like Toby. Mm-hmm. They, they allowed him to go to law school and do yeah. these things where... He made an impact Mm -hmm. like that in and of itself is kind of that's the most unbelievable part of this to me. Yeah. It's like they let you live how, you know, I I don't know. Yeah. Poor Toby. Poor Toby. R.I.P. Both of them. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So do you think that he died naturally? No. Oh, before I forget, podcast correction to our Charlie and the Chocolate Factory comment. <laughs> it was not filmed in England. It was filmed in Germany and Bavaria. So also weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but it anyway, makes sense. Wanted to throw that about, out there. Like when you look at the bad guy, because he fucking looked. Yeah, yeah. Augustus, save some room for later. You know who I hated the most in that fucking movie? Mike TV. God, he was a shit. I hated that kid. Yeah. I liked, um, Veruca, sweetheart, angel. I I want a golden goose. I want it now. I wonder, uh, I wonder why. Um, I was not a spoiled brat. But I do have an attitude. You be having an attitude. Um, some fat phobic people might think that I'm more like the blueberry girl, but fuck you. She smacked her gum too much. She I did. Like she that. was annoying as shit. Mm. Anyway. Okay, but Charlie was pretty fucking annoying too, little bitch. He wore a little bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Well, that's terrifying. Our missing indigenous child is Fawn Flying Horse, missing from Rapid City, South Dakota. 16 years old, height 5'4", weight 120, hair color black, eye color brown, 
missing since July 25th, 2023. She was last seen wearing a white tank top and shorts. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Fawn, please contact the Rapid City Police Department at, we should memorize this number by now, 605-394-4131. I would also like to just quickly talk about a young girl that is missing. It is believed that she ran away very suddenly. Um, So she, it's very recent and I think it's pretty good chances that she'll be found, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. She's also from Rapid City PD or Rapid City. Um, her name is Connie Quickbear. She's 12 years old and she was, became missing yesterday, uh, 727, 2013 at around 1:20 PM in the 200 block of mall drive wearing dark sweatpants and a black hoodie. So, when we post this, if she's still missing, I will post her picture as well. Same phone number for the Rapid City PD. Um, in general, fuck Rapid City, South Dakota. What are you doing, man? Y'all are, yeah. man, the fucking officials have to be a part of this. It's, if it's so fucking widespread and it's just so, like, you Has just to be. don't care. Has to be. You gotta be a part of it. When you corrupt bastards. Yeah. You need a task force, my friend. Um, anyway, so follow us on Instagram at Garbage Girls. That's Girls G R R R L S. Yeah. And on TikTok at Garbage Girls Podcast. Our website is www.garbagegirlspodcast.com. Our email is garbagegirls at gmail.com. And don't involve other people in your kinks uh, unless it's consensual. And keep it trashy, y'all. Okay. Bye. Bye.